Blog Talk Radio. October 22nd, obviously Thursday, 7.30 p.m. here Pacific Time, and we have a great, great show tonight. I'm very, very excited. My name is Felipe Leon, and with me, as always, all the way from the Bay Area is Miss Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing. Hi, guys. I'm doing good. Good, good. And from Riverside, California, Mr. Boxing himself, Mr. David Avila. How are you doing tonight, David? Very good, Felipe. Hi, Lupi. Hi, David. Well, we have a great show tonight, folks. We have two guests. We usually don't have more than one guest. We try to really concentrate on the person that we have invited on the show and really get into their story like we did a couple weeks ago with uh, Ebony Bridges from Australia, who is now in the United States getting ready for her fight next month against Rachel Ball for the vacant WBA Super Bantamweight title. So we actually did about an hour with her, but tonight we thought that it would be very special to have the two protagonists of one of the most anticipated fights since it was announced, because this fight wasn't really planned at the beginning of the year. It had not, it had been, been spoken about, but not until later on in their careers, but it looks like we're going to get a special treat next weekend when the former um, interim WBA flyweight champion and 2012 bronze medalist Marlene Esparza takes on uh, the up-and-coming contender and also international amateur boxing standout Sulem Urbina next Friday night from the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California and live on The Zone. Originally, Marlene Esparza a couple months ago was slated to take on veteran Noemi Bosques of Florida but that fight, which was slated for the end of August, was uh, when Jorge Linares contracted COVID, who was the main event, and he was not able to get out of Japan. So um, it, it looked like it was going to be rescheduled for this date, but for whatever reason, it was not. And Sulem Urbina, who has recently signed with Golden Boy Promotions, got tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, do you want to face Esparza? She obviously said yes, and we're going to get the fight next Friday night on The Zone. We're going to have Marlene Esparza in about 15 minutes, and then half an hour after that, about 8.15 Pacific time, we're going to have Sulem Urbina in separate interviews. So before we go into that, let's go into a little bit of the fight results, which weren't much, but there were some fights um, in the last couple weeks, starting off in Germany with Emma Kozin, a middleweight fighter who has been fighting for a while, but she hasn't made her way to the United States or onto any major platform or network. And she has been fighting some B-level opposition, but she did take on um, former champion Chris Namus from, I think she's from Uruguay or Paraguay. 
Um, Emma Colson ended up scoring a unanimous decision in the 10-rounder at 160 pounds for the interim WBC title there. Now, one thing about this fight is that I haven't been able to find it. And I've had other people ask me if, if I knew of any links of it. And I said, no, there's some controversy as far as the fight, if Colson won it. Um, uh, of, I mean, you know, like in the eyes of the, of the public, but we haven't been, I haven't been able to find a, uh, a link. Have you, David, heard anything about this fight, seen the link, anything? I, I've heard from people, I guess, that watched it in Europe, but I haven't seen it or been able to find any uh, video. Have you heard anything as far as the judging of it, if it was a, a – if Cozen actually won the fight or there's some controversy regarding the uh, the cards? Uh, the only thing I heard that it, it was much closer than the scores. Lupi, any any ch- any luck with you? Have you seen anything or, or heard anything of this uh, of this fight? I only had I had access to the weigh-ins, but I saw a lot a lot of chatter on Twitter right away. People saying, "Nah, Namus Namus won that fight. She won the fight." And then a few mm. days later, um, Namus put on her social media that she was really thinking about it and she's really sad about the outcome. Oh, okay, yeah. So, I mean, hopefully soon, hopefully soon they put a uh, a, a video. They somebody uploads something to YouTube so that we can take a look at it. Also on the same card, it looks like Caitlin Caitlin Phelan from Ireland went in and stopped the local Jessica Sharko after the fifth round. It looks like Sharko didn't come out for the after the fifth round, and now Phelan from Ireland or Felon from Ireland is the WBC youth welterweight champion for the WBC. So she ended up getting a win in her opponent's backyard on that same card in Germany that Kozin beat Chris Nemus with the United decision. Now also that same afternoon here in the United States from uh, the United Kingdom, the zone gave us in the opening bout of the, uh, uh, I think his name was, uh, I have it right here, Luis Ritson against Miguel Vasquez. The opening bout, there was a female fight with the debut of English fighter Ely Scottney scoring a points decision over veteran Beck Conley in the sixth rounder at Featherweight. Like we have mentioned here before on the show, um, they, they're having only the referee judge the opening bouts on these matchroom boxing the zone fights. And that was the case here as well, where the judge scored it 60-53 for Ellie Scottney, where uh, she dropped Connolly. I think it was in the third round. And we were just talking about this before we went on air, how impressed we were with Scottney in her pro debut at Featherweight, where despite being her pro debut, she looked very polished. Obviously, she, she still needs a little bit of seasoning, um, a little bit of experience. It was a six-rounder, not your usual four-round debut. Um, David, what did you see in her style? Well, um, surprisingly, uh, she looked very polished. Uh, in fact, uh, she's one of the most polished fighters I've seen coming out of Europe. I mean, she looked really good. Uh, in fact, uh, she reminded me of a young Melinda Cooper. Uh, she just had that aggressive style and knew what she was doing and just was overpowering and, and, and very technical at the same time, which is very rare when you get a debuting fighter. So I, I'd have to give her an A-plus for her debut. She looked tremendous. 
and one thing that the commentators were kind of holding themselves back uh, at, and, and understandably so, and they should have, is in comparing her to, obviously, Katie Taylor, who has a lot more experience. I mean, she's 10 years older. She had all those experience in the amateurs. But the, th- the thing that, that probably led him to compare was that polish, that polish finish with Scottney inside the ring. Because like you mentioned, David, she was very technical. She, she had a really good uh, like sense of what punches to, to, to throw at what time. You know, she was, she was obviously starting off with the jab, but she was really putting on some combinations together and scoring with some, um, with uh, some hooks and some hard right hands not so much straight, but more of a curved right hand, but she was throwing it properly. So her technique was really impressive as well. Her quickness, although the the opponent, Beck Conley, was a little bit older and a little bit shop-worn and a lot slower, um, you could really sense the skill and the speed of Scottney in her pro debut. So knowing, uh, knowing uh, Eddie Hearn and, what, and with what, how she looked, this past Saturday night, I think that he's going to start matching her up uh, fairly uh, quickly here. I mean, if she could drop down to 122, I mean, I think she's ready for the winner of uh, Rachel Vaughn and Ebony Bridges, to be quite honest with you. Wow. I mean, Ebony Bridges is going into that fight with four fights, and she's fighting for a world title. R- Rachel Vaughn is going in there with six fights with a record of 5-1, and one, and this young lady is 1-0. and oh. Um yeah. And with that skill, David, you know, why not? I, I mean, I don't see oh, Rachel yeah. Ball being all that much more uh, uh, advanced or experienced than what we saw Saturday night in Scotland. I mean, granted, the opponent that she had, and I believe that the time that we saw Rachel Ball was against a more seasoned opponent or a better opponent in um, Courtney, but I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, that'll be way, way too soon. I mean, that's Lomachenko speed, but I wouldn't mind seeing it, David. Yeah, yeah she's excellent. I mean, I I think she could hang with anybody at the top level right now. Um, it, it's it's funny because uh, people are mentioning on Twitter, and I was getting uh, messages from different people in Europe uh, saying that she is going to drop down to 122, and that would be a perfect weight class for her. Mm. Yeah, because usually when they do their pro debuts, they tend to be a little bit heavier, and then they start kind of like doing uh, cutting down to that weight. Um, before we move on, we are waiting for our first guest, Marlene Esparza, who should be calling in the next five to ten minutes here on the two-minute round, your hooks and jazz look at female boxing. This is episode 97. Um, Lupi, why don't we touch bases a little bit on – I think they just finished up the tournament in Europe, the amateur tournament, where – our very own, at least from San Diego and California, Andrea Medina ended up, I think, winning the gold medal in her weight class yeah. through a walkthrough. And I think I see her posted that she's in, uh, I think she's in, they're in she, I don't know, where she's in France. They're in Paris, they're in France, France. Yeah. getting some work. Why don't you tell us about, about that tournament? So they had, um, they were in Spain. God, you know, I've been so overwhelmed with distance learning for everybody out there whose kids are at home. I mean, I'm there from 830 to 3, just in and class. I'm trying to keep up on everything. But they were in Spain. She did, Alicia, um, Andrea Medina did win by walkover for the gold, but 
she's proving herself. I mean, she came, she won her first uh, fight. She won her second, and then she was up for the gold, and that's how she took it. But there's no shame in taking that way because she's really proving herself. Um, she's going out there and getting it. I mean, she's very aggressive, and, you know, she was um, the second. Now she's she's the first to, at 125 for the U.S. team, and she's going out there and really um, proving that she deserves to be there. Uh, there was also Naomi Graham. She she took the gold, and that's to be expected. Uh, O'Shea, um, she's at the 165, and there's uh, O'Shea Jones, who also is a front runner for the Olympics. She's and she did the same thing. She took her gold. We had um, so now they're at France. They're in um, they're at the the France Olympic Training Center. You know, I mean, they're they're just out there representing America very well right now. I'm very proud so, of the whole team. And to have so a California girl out there, we're proud of that. Yeah. So what's next for, for the team now that they're in Paris? I mean, where do they go from here? Do they come back home? Do they go somewhere else? Do you know? No, I think they're having another tournament out there. I'm not sure. Not all of them are fighting. I know we have a guy out there um, from the Bay Area, uh, Charlie Sheehy, and I know he's getting ready for a tournament in France, but I heard that not everybody's fighting. Like, O'Shea is not fighting. So I don't know how they're picking and choosing. Maybe they're giving people a break. But there's still mm. um, international tournaments are still going on. I don't know whether they're, they're keeping – usually they keep them there. They go from Spain home and out. I don't know if it's because they're trying to get what's happening with the Olympics that they're keeping them out there. I'm not exactly sure why they're doing it. And I might be putting it on uh, on the spot because we weren't planning on speaking about this. I'm just making time before uh, we wait for Marlene Esparza to yeah. give us to give us a call. We should be any minute. But I don't know. Is there another is there a female fighter from another country that might be the favorite in the weight class that Andrea Medina is at, or do you think that she's the favorite for the Olympics? Do you know of it, uh, of any other fighter um, that might be? Um, a tough challenge for Medina as far as the gold medal in the Olympics if they are held next year like it's planned? No, you know what? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. I know um, Ireland has the shot. They had um, at the first tournament in January, they had their number one uh, come out and she's a, a, she's a front runner for for also for the Olympic gold. And that's also questionable too. You know, it, it, everything changes as it goes. You know how things are. They, the, the rules change. This one girl came from Ireland. She took out the number one loopy out of the tournament. And then she didn't fight again, the girl from Ireland. So I don't know what happened there, but she was one mm. at the 125. But I guess um, as a turn, we'll, we'll start, I'll, I'll start paying more attention. I'm telling you guys, with distance learning, it's freaking taking a lot of my time. <laughs> Usually it's the other way around. Boxing, boxing takes my time. I've been flipped. So I'm trying to keep up with everything. That's good. That's good. Well, I mean, that's, it's a sign of the time. But now with us, all the way from the Lone Star State, Houston, Texas, is none other than 2012 bronze medalist and former interim WBA flyweight champion, Miss. Marlene Esparza. Marlene, how are you doing tonight? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for being with us here 
on the show. Uh, you've been with us here before uh, a while ago, and we thank you for that. Actually, it was about a year ago, right before your fight against Inez Estrada. So we thank you for taking the time. I know it's a little bit later in uh, Houston, Texas, than it is here in California. So with that said, we're not going to waste any time, and we're going to pass you on to Mr. David Avila, who will take the first shot uh, of questions. Go ahead, David. Marlon, good good evening. How's everything going? Good. Everything is well. Just getting ready. Uh, are you tra- coming up. Are you training in Texas, Ella? Yes, yes, I'm training in Texas. I'm based in Texas now. Um, eventually, we're talking about maybe having camps in California or uh, Las Vegas, but as of right now, we're, we're based in, in Texas. Oh, okay. Um, I wanted to congratulate you, too, on, on the, your performance at three-minute rounds. I know that you were the one that requested the three-minute rounds, and it, it seemed to really go off big. Uh, what was that experience like for you, fighting a three-minute round? Well, I had not a, because the first time I did it, it wasn't um, with such a big opponent. I, I did it uh, in Vegas on my second fight. It was only six mm-hmm. rounds, but I did the, I did a three-minute round uh, for the first time, and uh, I okay. got a feel for it, and I, I really liked it then. So because it was such a big stage and uh, such a big fight for women's boxing, uh, I really pressed for the three minutes. And, you know, I was lucky that Sinisa also agreed upon it. And, um, it, you know, I honestly think it was, it was still, it's still a better idea to go three minutes. Um, I think a lot of the bad blood allowed it to be a little bit, um, I guess, more uh, volume than it would usually be given a three-minute round. But uh, the three minutes were still a lot helpful. I feel like it, it did change the fight a lot. Uh, whether it was in my favor or not, it just shows that the three minutes do make a difference. Because if we were going two-minute rounds, you know, the fight would have potentially gone differently. So, all in all, um, I'm still a big fan of the three minutes. But I do understand why it's not going to happen overnight. And I'm more than willing to fight two minutes. I just would prefer the three-minute rounds. Well, did you try to lobby for a three-minute round in this fight? I I did not, um, only because I know the WBC stance on the three on the three-minute rounds. So if I already know uh, where they stand and their and you know and their beliefs on it, I'm not gonna sit there and try to fight you know be, uh, like beat a dead horse. So I, I didn't even mention it because I I fully understand and respect that the WBC does not agree with the three-minute rounds. What kind of reaction did you get from people watching and seeing you do three minutes? Because I know from the people I saw and talked to, uh, they really loved it. They really thought it really opened up the the fight even more, that they got to see more action. There was nobody rushed. There was more skill. What was it like for you, or what did you hear? I I had really positive feedback about it. Um, I think a lot of people were – like didn't really think it would make make too much of a difference. I got the feedback that it did make a difference. I got the feedback that a lot of people understood now why the three minutes are needed. Um, I, I, I really just got positive feedback all in all. And they said that, you know, it also made it a more entertaining fight because they could actually sit there and watch it. And they didn't, it didn't feel like such a quick fight for them. Like it was a real fight. And they felt like they spent time, they got time to watch a fight, which with the female fight, sometimes it does seem like, oh, that's it, it's over. And when you don't realize the difference that the three minutes gives until it's, you know, until you see it with your own eyes is, until, is when you understand. So really, I've never, I didn't get any negative feedback at all about the three-minute rounds. 
Um, I think people are starting with the women, with the women too, the boxers themselves are also with that fight, I think understood too that, Hey, you know, maybe I want to try that. Maybe that's a better idea for me. So um, all in all, I got positive feedback. Yeah. It was one of the most entertaining female fights I had seen in years. I mean, it was, it had everything, and you could see it over and over. There was so many changes in it that you don't normally see. Uh, what's it been like as a pro for you? You've been in the pro game now a couple of years or more, and um, what's that like now being a complete pro, uh, a different style, uh, and you just concentrate on it? So what's it like for you, that, that difference? It, it was it was a big change, and, you know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, was a, I was a bit ignorant going into – or a lot ignorant going into the pros. I didn't think because there was not a time change, um, I, we were still doing two-minute rounds, I didn't think that there was going to be much of a difference. I thought, you know, yeah, I'm going to have to learn to settle down a little bit, a little bit uh, more power, less speed, a little, you know, here and there. But I, I really didn't take into consideration that there's a whole new tactic and a whole new idea behind the boxing. And I was ignorant uh, going in thinking that I, I could figure it out as quickly as I thought I could. And I'm learning. Um, I'll, I'm, I'm learning. Is it a little bit easier for me to learn because of the experience? Uh, yes, but it doesn't make it easier in general, you know, and I, I think that was something that I completely overlooked. But it is a huge change, and to be honest, it's, um, it's a breath of fresh air because I don't feel like I'm going to the gym anymore, just going to the routine. I'm like really going back to the gym. I'm really going back to school and everything I know, I mean, I can still use it and I'm still me, but there's a whole mm-hmm. other aspect of boxing that I need to figure out. And, uh, you know, once you slow your punches down and you start to place them, your timing changes and with your timing, your speed changes. And it really changes the whole dynamic of a, of a boxer in general. So if you don't go in with that mindset, you know, like I did, I didn't go in with that mindset that it would be that big of a change. It took a little bit of getting used to. But now that I would say after about my third fight, uh, I realized what was really happening. And ever since then, you know, I really just go in with, you know, an open mind and, and trying to really learn and find, find, find out new things. So I just feel like a student all over again, which is another reason why I decided to kind of change directions with my coaches. My coach is more is a pro pro based coach, and uh, he's a combat coach. Com- before I was okay. sticking to what I knew, and uh, yeah, I'm really just trying to learn and um, and understand. And I feel so I'm really I'm really happy with the progress I've made. Who, who's your new coach? Uh, his name is James Cooper. So uh, he he started actually in um, with uh, Emmanuel Stewart when he was younger, and then was starting to a training conditioning for them. And then he uh, worked as an assistant coach, worked like video review, and then kind of moved his way through there. Ended up in Houston because of um, uh, combat and boxing and training conditioning. And then um, I linked up with him through my old coach, or you know, my my first coach, who we're still we're good friends, and he still helps me a lot. But um, he's my he's my uh, he's the man in charge. He's a first coach. So um, his name is James Cooper, and he's he's really good at the at the pro style and the um, the tactics and the video review and kind of understanding um, fighters. So all in all, I'm I'm happy with the with the progress I've made considering um, the the even though I've only had seven fights, it feels like I've been through a lot already. So considering everything, I feel like we made really good strides for this fight coming up uh, with Sulem. 
Well, it sounds like you're having fun now. Uh, I'm going to pass you over to Loopy. Uh, Loopy, go ahead. Hey, Marlene. Hi, how are you? Hey, good. Hey, so it's really good to speak with you. The fight with Lisa was incredible. I mean, from the build-up, the weigh-in, you looked beautiful, by the way. It was a great thing. Period. So I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Lisa post-fight. Have your feelings changed, and have you gained any respect towards it? No. In a in a in a sad way, I, I have lost more respect for her. Um, I I don't I don't uh, I, I just I don't feel I didn't know that it was even possible. I remember speaking to you guys, and I was like, yeah, you know, after tomorrow night, we're gonna really figure out what's what and who's who. And I still think that we're left with the even though she won. I don't think that there's, I still think that there's a lot of unanswered questions because of the headbutt and because of how everything just went down and the calls and, um, you know, even the scores, I would have been happy even if it was a split um, because I don't think that I really lost those rounds the way that they're saying. I don't agree with, you know, the headbutts or how they were called or, I don't know. There was so much that happened. Um, you know, if I had someone's full showing, I feel like I would at least got them an eight count. And because of those things, it couldn't really stop me because I didn't feel anything because I could fight her without being able to see. Um, and then the way she handled the win, you know, um, if she would have cut me be- with a punch, you know, that's something to brag about. But to brag about headbutting somebody over and over, I just feel like just like pushing me uh, very it's very like tasteless and I and it's funny because I get that rap people have um said that about me you know that I'm you know that I'm this or I'm that I rub the wrong way you know I, I don't know how to handle myself but mm-hmm. she did the, the those things that I don't think a fighter should do that I would never do and I just don't uh I just don't have respect for the girl I just don't um I just don't think even with the win that she had that she handled it correctly and even saying like, Oh, I don't need a fighter again You know, it took it took a lot of negative feedback for her to even say she'd fight me again but I had to go to one oh eight. And that's fine, but it's just um no, I, I just still don't I just still don't have any respect for the girl at all whatsoever. I just don't. Yeah. She got yeah, she got a little flack on that on social media. So you know, Marlene, our thought processes it does change when we we become moms. I mean, things we used to do that we wouldn't think twice about, now we think about doing. So when you stopped in the ninth, did she, did being a new mom have anything to do with it? Uh, and has anybody in your circle asked you to reconsider your career now that you're a mom? Oh, being did, I'm sorry, because it kept saying muting. I mean, I'm muting. Did you say that being a mom? Did it affect the performance, and did anybody? No, just talk like when you yeah, in the ninth round, not to continue. Did that have anything to do with it? Because that cut was nasty. It really was. You were fighting with, it was bad. So yeah, did that no, have anything I'm gonna, to do with it? No, no, no. Um, so this is what happened after, like a few weeks after, people started to kind of hint that, hey, do you think it had anything to do with bouncing back so quickly from having your son? And you know, only God knows, because I felt completely fine up until those up until those rounds 
So mm-hmm. I can't honestly say it was, and I honestly can't say it wasn't because there was a lot of adrenaline. There was adrenaline all week. There was bad blood. There was anger. There was emotion. There was, you know, a lot of training. There was a lot of everything. And, yeah, my I had my son that year. So, you know, who knows as far as that mm-hmm. goes. But I I do think a lot a lot of it had to do with the headbutt. Um, I was tired. I was fatigued before the headbutt. And then when I felt like I was catching my wind again, you know, I couldn't see. I was dizzy. I was losing a lot of blood. And I would really definitely uh, put a lot of it on the loss of blood and the headbutt mixed with the fatigue. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think that it had a lot to do with the pregnancy or having my son. But some people disagree, and that's okay because I'll never know. And fighting such a big fight that quickly after having my son was my decision. It wasn't anybody on my team's decision. Nobody forced me to do it. No one asked me to do it. It was completely mm-hmm. me pushing that fight. So it's yeah. not like I could say, well, you know, I, they forced me and I just had a baby. No, no, no. It was really my choice, and I felt like I was able to do it. And, you know, now that I've already, you know, my body healed and everything's fine, you know, we'll see going forward. But I, I don't – I think it was a lot to do with the adrenaline and a lot to do with the loss of blood and the headbutt and – just everything that that was going on because I couldn't see I really couldn't see in the sixth seventh eighth round and then I was busy I was tired there was a lot going on and no no one said anything to me about uh not fighting because of my son um the main thing was hey would you now that he's getting older would you be willing to maybe uh have four week camps or six week camps away from your family and is that something possible? Because I I was not willing to do that when he was so young. But now that he's yeah. older, um, I'm you know I'm willing to take you know those six weeks, five weeks away from away from him in order to kind of you know um, lock in. And that was mm-hmm. what more of the question is like. Okay, you know that's great. We're all for it. Everybody loves Saint. You know, he's amazing. Everybody <laughs> loves that kid. Yeah. But it's like, it, hey, well, you know, you got to remember the guys leave, too. I know you're a mom and everything, but the guys leave. So are you willing to do that? And the answer was yes. So I think that's an approach that we're going to take moving forward um, and, yeah. you know, go from there. But it's hard to say. You know, it's hard to say. I guess we'll find out when I fight Sulem because now it's been two years. So I, I, I know. Yeah. I think it's You're fighting next so. Hey, so there's a general general consensus with your fans that Sulem never beat you in the amateurs and can't take it to the pros. What's your take on this? That uh, your fans, as you know, when you're on social media, everyone says Sulem never beat you in the amateurs. She can't take you in the pros. What do you think about that? Um, or do you even consider it? I, you know, I would. I don't even think about it. Because honestly, like I, would, I appreciate everybody who supports me in that way or believes that. Because not only does it help me, you know, you always want support, and it really, really does help, regardless of what I think. If someone supports me, it really does help. And it also, I know it, it hurts her because, like, even with any of my opponents, if they say something negative about me, even if I know it's not true, um, it's you still take it in. So you know, I, I think everybody for that type of support, but. Um, as the fighter, I you know, I don't I don't take into consideration what happened in the amateurs because it's a whole new game and mm-hmm. 
if I feel like if I do also feel like if I even think that just a little bit, then I'll think it's okay to slack off or uh, it's okay to sleep on her or, you know, oh, yeah. well, I beat her before, so it can't be that bad. And I really just try to go into it like I've never faced her before. I haven't been in the ring with her for a long time. Yes, I've mm-hmm. been victorious the times that I have. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that um, that all stays the same and I'm doing everything I can to make sure that stays the same. But I'm not, I'm not going, um, I'm not taking this lightly at all. And I'm really going into this as someone that I've never fought before. So, hey, is, I, there I, any, is there any bad blood with Salem or? Not that I know of. Um, she, she's yeah, saying that there you. is. No, she, uh, she's starting to say that there is. But I kind of want to say it's to build it up or, you know, again, everybody playing victim to me. Like, I'm like the bad versus good. <laughs> it, I mean, that's all. That's great. You know, fine. I'll, I'll take it. I'm, I'm okay with the whole bad girl thing. But I, I have no idea what she's talking about. We never had a problem. Um, in all never. honesty, I thought that we were close because her brother passed away before mine. I knew her brother. And then when yeah. my brother passed away, she reached out to me, and we talked a lot um, yeah. over that period of time. And then next thing I know, um, literally this past two weeks, I found out that she said that she's had problems with me, and I did not know about them. So it took me... Um, it t- it took me back, you know. I was taken back by it. I didn't under I didn't know that she had an issue with me. Um, but hey, it's boxing, and I, I hey, it, it hey, is what it is. If she has a problem with me, that's on her. Uh-huh. Hey, Marlene, I know what you're talking about, and I don't. I think it's the social, the media outlet that's just is just saying that because I've never seen anything between the two of you. So I think it's an yeah. outsider causing trouble. Hey, so it, I it, gotta go. Go, I got to let you go. I just want one last question. Is This is quick. The last time we spoke, you hoped that Trent chose baseball over boxing, and now he's walking. Is he walking over to the heavy bag? Uh, yes, he is. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not happy about it. And it's, it's so bad because I try to not let him know what I do. So I don't box in front of him. Uh, I, don't really, I don't take him to the gym, and if I do, it's just for strength and conditioning. I don't, like, hit a bag in front of him. If I do video review, I don't do it in front of him. If I watch boxing, I don't watch it in front of him. And he still knows. He'll still mm-hmm. hit stuff. And he'll be it's like, bow, bow, bow. And I'm like, no, Zane, no. But, yeah, it's he is gravitating blood. towards it. I'm not going to lie. Um, All right, Marlene. You know, it was great talking to you. Thanks for stopping by. I'm going to pass you to Felipe. You take care. Okay. Hi, Marlene. How you doing? Good, how are you? Good, good, thank you. So you're in Houston, Texas. I know that you have uh, kind of had a, a number of coaches in, in your pro career. Um, how hard or how easy it is it to get the adequate sparring um, out there in Houston, Texas? Because b- despite you being there and Selena Barrios also being in Texas, but not in Houston and other female fighters, they're really not concentrated in Houston, Texas. So are you sparring with women or are you mostly sparring with men getting ready for this fight? Um, it's a mixture. So I was always a big believer in sparring with men. Um, just because it was a lot easier to get the sparring, um, you know, uh, guys don't take it as personal. They'll still bring it to you if they need to, and you can really just go in and, you know, after it's like, hey, thank you. 
it's there there's no bad blood that comes from it and a lot of the girls sometimes take it a little bit too serious and um I think that that was my belief but my new coach kind of brought it to me a different way where he was like you know what guys are good but you're never gonna know how it feels to get like get somebody out of there if you're sparring a guy like you're gonna have to eventually we can start with the men at the beginning of your camp but we're really gonna have to end with the women because you're gonna have to know what it feels like when you hurt somebody you're gonna have to learn to see it and learn to like um you know react when you do get someone hurt and you're only gonna be able to do that regardless if you like it or not on a woman so we did we took that approach um all year round whenever we could actually start sparring um and it's worked out pretty well we've gotten some girls that come from san antonio some from um san antonio some from i'm missing um dang it, why can't i remember that but san antonio and we have them come down we've also had come, come girls that rotate and then some girls that um are at other gyms sparring so we have found um a good amount of women that, that come through that are that are being pretty helpful and um you know we're just working with it trying to figure out if for next camp who we can have in you know if we need to fly or house them or we're really looking into sparring partners in that way where it's just like hey let's bring you down for four weeks or six weeks and and just join my camp we'll pay and we'll house you we'll feed you and just be part of my camp and you know we'll work together and we've gotten positive feedback on the people we we've reached out to started doing a lot of research on the girls that are out there and I think that's really the approach we're going to start taking, starting with guys, but finishing with women. And uh, so far it's been good. But these last three weeks I've been working with only women. Mm. Now, touching on the three-minute round, and you mentioned it a couple of times with David and with Lupi, that that you you did get tired. And it also had to do with um, the blood that you lost because of that headbutt. So uh, in hindsight, Knowing that you did kind of get tired with the three minute round, do you think that you should that you would have that it benefited you? You mentioned that maybe it didn't benefit you, but it benefited the fight and women's boxing. But would you have fought for the three minute round again, knowing what you know now of that fight? Yes, because if whether it was two minute round or three minute round, I fatigued so early that I wouldn't blame it on the three-minute round. If I would have fatigued, like, in the seventh, I would have been like, okay, maybe it was a three-minute round. I started to fatigue in the fourth, and I didn't get my win back to the fifth, and then I got headbutted. So because, I mean, I could I could fight four three-minute rounds any day of the week when I'm in shape. So I, I really wouldn't blame it on the three-minute round because it was too early, way, way too early for anybody fati- for, to fatigue when they train for a 10-round fight. I really just believe, honestly, it just wasn't my day, divine intervention. I really feel like uh, it was a a mixture of adrenaline, a mixture of being hype all week. I didn't rest all week because I was on edge all week. Uh, Again, it comes with the territory and learning how to calm my nerves. Um, It could have been, and people, you know, said, you know, maybe it was too quick with the baby, but I did have a few fights before then, and I wasn't tired. So I think it was just a mixture of everything, and I'll never really know what went wrong that day. Uh, but I don't see it happening again. Um, you know, different approaches, different things that uh, we're working on just to kind of calm myself down. But I, back to the question, no, I would still be the three-minute round. Like I said, it was way too early in the fight 
to be fatigued for me to be able to blame it on a three-minute round. And I still think all in all it was um, it, it was beneficial for me, for me to for women walking, and, and I was going to do three-minute rounds again. Now, you mentioned that you didn't even try to uh, get a three-minute round in this fight because of the stand by the WBC. And one idea that we have bounced around here on this show is that it's going to get to the point where the big names in boxing, Clarissa Shields, uh, I don't know, Katie Taylor, you, other names, are maybe going to have to put their foot down and say, if you don't allow us to fight um, – three-minute rounds, we're not going to fight for your title, and there goes your sanctioning fee. Do you think it could get to that point? And if it does, are you going to jump on that wagon? Um, you know, I, uh, I, I hope that not, – I'm not going to say I hope it gets to that because I, I don't like the idea of, like, giving, you know, uh, a sanction, uh, sanction an ultimatum. But I hope that it does get to the point where the women do – uh, come together and say like, hey, uh, bad blood or no bad blood, hatred or no hatred, like this is about the sport and do we want to do three minutes? Like, are we all in this? Like, I would at least like to have that. And if it were to ever get to that point where we all agree, all in all, that, hey, we want three minutes and we're going to do three minutes, we're going to fight for three minutes. But yeah, I would, of course, I, would, I mean, I, um, I started that. So I would definitely, I'm not going to back away from it. I'm a big supporter of it. I'm a big believer in it. And I'm a big supporter of any female who, um, even if, you know, one of somebody wanted to get that aggressive, um, I would still back them because it's still a belief that I have. And at the end of the day, um, whether it's good or not for my career or my name, I stopped doing this just for me a long time ago. You know, it means a lot to me when I see little girls in the gym now, nine years old, eight years old, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting all the time. They have sparring partners. No one thinks of them weird because they're in the gym. They have fights. They have tournaments. You know, the boys at the gym don't look at them weird because there's a girl in the gym. That stuff to me means a lot because I never had that. So if I can finish this off with the ability to say, hey, you guys can go three-minute rounds now. You guys can stop in the middle of your career and, and have a baby and not worry about your contract getting cut, um, you know, the things that other sports have, basketball players have, uh, soccer players have, track stars have, like volleyball players have, swimmers have. Um, If if I am somewhat on the, uh, one of the pioneers to get those little girls that ability um, without having to worry when they're older, man, I'm all for it. Uh, I would definitely, definitely um, be a supporter of the, of the three minute round. We spoke about a year ago um, outside the show where I interviewed you, interview, sorry, interviewed you for a, a feature in theprizefighters.com. And we touched on the subject of you getting that bad rap with other female fighters. And you explained it to me that a lot of the times it's a mental thing, that you have to get into a certain mental state for you to feel that you have an advantage over the people that you're going to face inside the ring. So with that said, you mentioned to Lupe that the fight that you don't really think about those amateur fights against Lemurbina that has been so long ago. But do you feel mentally that you have an advantage over her in this next fight next Friday because you have beaten her plenty of times inside a boxing ring? Yeah, I, I think I have an advantage over it because she's the 
because she's the one who keeps talking about it. So I'm not, I haven't brought up once that I've, I've, told, I've told people I fought her. I've never told people I won. I've, um, I've never brought it up unless it was asked. And the only reason anybody knows that I fought her in the amateurs and I beat her is because she's been telling everybody she talks to. So I know I have an advantage because it's obviously the, one of the top things in her head when she thinks about me. So I know for sure I'm in her head, you know, Grand Prix. So it's like that's where I feel like I have the advantage. Um, but at the same time, hey, it could work against me because I know she she's eating, drinking, sleeping, you know, my name. And that's, that's, that's also good. So it really depends on how she takes it. But all in all, yeah, I would definitely say I'm in her head and I didn't even have to try because of the way she talks about it. And I'm really just trying to make sure that I don't, see her anymore as a Sulem I know I'm really just trying to see her as another another obstacle and another person that I need to get to to, to get where what I want to be and you know build my legacy and um you know be a good example for my son so you know as of now I'm really just been working really hard on not seeing her anymore as a person and really just somebody that I need to get through now, my last question for you, uh, Marlene, is that obviously the winner of this fight gets an apart opportunity against the flyweight champion for the WBC, Ibella Roca Zamora. So if you were to win, how quickly would you be looking to get in the ring with Zamora, and would you be willing to make that fight in, in Mexico? Um, I would really have to go over that with my team. Um, I've learned quickly that, especially with how we're working now, which is – actually the first time it's worked this way for me and it's been very helpful where um, I feel like I do have a really real, a real team and a real support system and I'm not really having to call all the shots and run everything myself. And it's been helpful. So I would say from what we talked about, I'm, I'm, I am more than willing to, to jump in the ring with Amora right away. Um, probably at the beginning of next year, if possible. If um, if my team says that they're they're good for it, then I'm good for it. But if not, um, it wouldn't be too long. You know, one fight at the most, and then and then her, you know, go from there. And I don't know if we're willing to do it in Mexico. I think that all depends on um, you know the team and the promoters and, and really how everybody sees it best. And and I'm really just here to win the fight. So. As far as where it's located, it's really not up to me. Um, and as far as getting into the ring with her, I'll get into the ring with her um, as soon as possible, probably the beginning of next year. Well, Marlene, we thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you for being with us, despite being a little bit late out there in Houston, Texas, and we wish you all the luck next uh, Friday night. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Have, have a good night, Marlene. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye. And there you have it, folks, the uh, 2012 bronze medalist from uh, the United States and former interim WBA flyweight champion, Ms. Marlene Esparza. And now with us on the line from Phoenix, Arizona, is the undefeated up-and-coming contender and also international amateur boxing standout, Ms. Mrs. Sulem Urbina. Sulem, how are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here talking with you guys, the most knowledgeable uh, people out there for women's boxing, you know. Thank you, thank you for hey, that. Uh, uh, um, well, you know that you've been with us plenty of times here on the show, and um, I want to pass you on to Mr. David Avila, and then we'll we'll make our rounds. Thank you for being here, David. 
So, ma'am, how are you doing today? Hi, David. I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. Very good. So, how surprised was it for you to get the the phone call from Golden Boy offering you the fight from uh, uh, against Marlon Esparza? Well, um, I was surprised because um, it is fairly soon in our careers. Um, honestly, I was supposed to fight towards the end of the year again, uh, but um, you know things were going on with the uh, zone and not, you know, the pandemic and everything, and not there not being enough dates available. So um, it's a fight that ended up, you know, coming up sooner than than later. But uh, it's a great fight, and especially. In this time, you know, everybody with the pandemic, so much stuff going around. I think it's a fight people really want to see and excites people. I, I, I think you're right. You're right in that when people first heard that you were going to fight Barnard Esparza, there was like celebrations. You could see it on social media that, you know, here's a, a fight worth watching. Um, for you, how was your training going at that time? Were you prepared for anything that was coming your way? Well, um, I'm I'm married to my coach, so that's a huge plus. I get to, you know, stay in shape. Even when gyms were closed, I was working out at a park. And, you know, um, he's just always very supportive with me. He's a great husband and a great coach. So um, I'm always in shape. Obviously, when you don't have a fight date, uh, you're not in, in fight-ready shape. But, um we stayed working in the gym, and when I got the call, you know, you just push on the gas, you know. Um, I've learned uh, through my career to stay disciplined with my weight and, and you know, just be a healthy athlete all year, all year round. So um, that helps a lot, and um, I said yes as soon as I got the call. I'm not, not trying to be too personal, but... Is this fight going to be the most money you've ever made for a fight, or have there been others that you made more? Oh, no, definitely. I mean, this is barely my second fight here in the United States. I did start uh, in Mexico, and um, definitely it's it's the fight where I'm I'm getting paid the most, but it's only the start, you know. Um, I I understand I've, I've had to pay my dues. You know, I started – in in Mexico, like I said, with with Samfer, you know, slowly building up, and the fact that you know I'm finally here fighting the United States on a great card on the zone, it's it's huge for me. It's 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 a step up, you know. I'm moving up slowly, and um, and I'm very proud of myself for that. Well, were your parents able to see your fight in in person? Uh, the, my, my debut here in the United States at the, uh, Fantasy Springs, my mother is the only one that attended. My dad, uh, tends to get too, a little too nervous and my mom's like a huge boxing fan. Uh, so she was there, she was front and center. And actually, if you like see the fight, uh, you can actually hear her in the background saying, dale mija, dale. <laughs> she's just, she loves boxing and, um, She's she's a huge boxing fan, and she's that one fan that's screaming loud all the time on the audience. We we always ask uh, fighters when they come on the show, what do they prefer? Whether they prefer two minute rounds or three minute rounds, how do you feel about it? Well, I haven't had the opportunity to fight uh, three minute rounds, but I do train. I mean, it's it's 
usually that's what you show up to a gym and that's what you work out and that's how I spar and um, I feel great. I feel like I can do it. Um, obviously, there's I'm no scientist, but I do know that we are different, men and women. Um, as a fighter, we always do want to uh, fight more, and it's up to the people outside of the ring to, you know, take care of us and, and guide us in the right direction. Um, I do believe that, uh, for example, in my last fight uh, at the Fantasy Springs against Noemi Bosquez, I heard her a lot of times, like three or four times, and then the bell, bell would, would, you know, save her, and then the fight went the distance. Um, I do believe that if we had that extra minute, there would be more knockouts. And um, from my understanding, I understand that um, if you knock somebody out earlier in the fight, it's less of uh damage or then you know getting that punishment throughout the whole fight um but um i mean i'm given two minutes so i'm gonna make the best out of those two minutes that i can possible i I know that your your style has changed since we've since i first saw your fights and uh as a professional and you slowly Mm -hmm. adapted a more pro style and your and how was that transition? It seems like you're getting more and more comfortable as a pro. I think I always had a very pro style. Um, before I competed international, you know, that was my thing. You know, I would sit on my punches and, and brawl and bang a little more and, you know, pick my punches very well. And then for some reason, once I started competing international, I got into the the, you know, being light on my feet and moving and being fast, just, you know, get trying to get those points because it was a point system, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had so many point systems changed throughout the time that I was amateur that, you know, I I, I changed my style a lot. And so when I uh, decided to turn pro, it took me a while to make that adjustment and make that switch, you know, because it is different. It's It's not about points anymore. It's about you know, hurting your opponent. It's about um, the hurt business in there, and you have to, you know, be appealing to the fan base. And, you know, I like I said, I started my career, my pro career in Mexico, and Mexico is a very passionate uh, country with boxing. Um, you know, it's like Saturday nights or, or like Sundays for church, you know. Every Saturday night, everybody watches boxing. <laughs> I debuted on Box Azteca and, you know, it it wasn't easy because a lot of the times they didn't like my style. So I've had uh, to make adjustments and uh, I think I feel more comfortable now than I did when I first started. And, you know, every fight you see an improvement. What are some of the things that people tell you on the street? Well, um, it was funny. One, uh, there was a time uh, not too long ago where I was running around my mother's neighborhood, and um, I wasn't expecting it. And somebody pulled me over, and um, they had a napkin, and they're like, "Can I have your autograph? I saw your fight on the zone." And it was, it felt really cool, you know. I mean, that was uh, <laughs> something that you know I was running, I wasn't expecting it, and especially you know just around the neighborhood. But it felt really cool, and. 
just you know people around uh south phoenix and you know in hermosillo because that's where that is where i'm born um you know it, it feels really nice to feel that support you know and that love and just you know they they tell me that i've improved a lot that i look stronger that uh, i'm more set on my feet everything and it feels good to know that you know they're they're seeing the way i've progressed you also seem to be a student of the game. I see you follow other fights. Uh, you you give your opinions in certain fights, and uh, uh, it seems like fans rally around you whenever the, a big fight is coming, even if it's not your fight. They'll ask you a question or your opinion. Uh, how does it feel to to get that kind of reaction from from people around I, the world? I love it. I love it. See, the thing is, I'm I'm one of those boxing junkies that you know just. I, I, I try to remember and learn and see a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, I try to know everybody in my division. I'm I'm obsessed with what I do. So if I don't know somebody in my division, I think that I'm slacking because, you know, I should. I should. That's my homework. You know, I should know the boxers that are out there, you know. And for women – you know, I think that that's how it should be. That's the only reason we're going to earn respect is by, you know, promoting each other, tweeting out each other, seeing each other's fights. You know, I try my very best every time there's a, a women's fights to just tweet about them, retweet their their upcoming events, whatever. Um, you know, you know, always be in the mix, always know what's going on because I think that that's the only way we're going to, you know, get over that bump on the road. Um, we've come a long way, you know, we got to thank all the women that have come before us, you know, and they've opened the doors for us. And now we're in a different spot and, you know, opening doors for, for women to come and, you know, talking about not only women's fights, but other boxing fights, you know, I, people see that I'm a woman that can and understands talk to, can talk about boxing and she understands it and she speaks about it well. Well, Sulem, thank you very much. I'm going to pass you on to Lupi. Hey, Sulem. Hi, Lupi. How are you? Hey, good. The last time we spent time together was at the 2018 WBC conference. And you were awarded awarded WBC's Prospect of the Year. And I'm so happy for all your accomplishments in two years. So you've got four fights. No, thank you. Thank you. I mean, since then you've had four fights, and now you're signed with Golden Boy. I mean, what do you think about your two years? Are are you where you want to be? I'm I'm definitely uh, you know moving up. I'm I'm extremely proud of myself. I haven't given up on on the long difficult road. You know, it's it's yeah. been hard. I had a a long layoff between my contract with my previous com- uh, promoter to now mm-hmm. being with Golden Boy, and um, you know, as a fighter, you always want to come to fight in the United States. And um, mm-hmm. the fact that I'm here, you know, I'm extremely happy. So I'm, I'm I'm moving up. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm on my way there. So what about um, high-profile sponsorships? I mean, we all know Marlena's at CoverGirl, Coke, Nike, McDonald's, as it should be. Are you at a place where you're looking around for future high-profile sponsors? Because you know that you fit the mold. I mean, you're beautiful, you're athletic, you're a great boxer. So what are you looking at? Well, um, 
a person that goes out looking for sponsorships. I know I should. But, um, no, but you I've, keep your eye on it, right? Of course, I keep an eye on it. I know that I'm uh, very marketable, and if uh, uh, big things come, hopefully they do, um, uh, I'll be ready for them. I think that I still have to earn my stripes uh, in the pros, you know. Um, I have to make a bigger name for myself and be a bigger brand, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I'm sure things will come. Um, with this win coming on October 30th, um, with everything going well and pulling off a win, it would definitely uh, help me a lot, and um, that's what I'm working for. Yeah, you know, and you are quite visible on social media, and, and you aren't a trash talker, which is good. I mean, you don't want to be like that because for sponsorships, but it's really not your style, is it? It's really not. I think um, I just I don't like it, but um, sometimes you also have to set your foot down. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, you can't allow people to stomp all over you on social media. Sometimes, you know, Twitter <laughs> trolls are, are kind of crazy, but, um, <laughs> but, um, I try to just, you know, keep it peaceful as peaceful as I can on uh, social media and cause it can be very overwhelming. Um, it's just, my style is, you know, get the job done, look pretty well doing it and that's it. <laughs> You're doing a great job. <laughs> You know, you faced um, Marlene in the amateurs and without a win, but your fans have made it clear that it doesn't matter. I mean, does it matter to you? Have you pushed it to the back burner? I mean, now you're in the pros. How do you see that? Well, I see it, you know, when I first started boxing, I saw Marlene. Um, She was already a, a multinational champion, I don't know, and like I said, I'm I'm a boxing junkie, so I kind of became, uh, in a way, her fan. And um, I saw her fight, and I was like, oh my god, she's she's badass. She's really good. Mm-hmm. So um, when I got to the point where I was actually fighting somebody that I was a fan of, you know, that was I was I was working my way up, and I was finally, you know, uh, showing my progress in the sport. Um, obviously now this is the pros. It's a whole different ballgame. Um, mm-hmm. I I believe that uh, I have a better style in the pros. I believe that I am a better fighter now. Um, when I was in the amateurs, I was training in Mexico City, and I didn't particularly like or enjoy uh, the training so much. I think it takes away a lot from your skill when you're not enjoying what you're doing. And I Mm -hmm. think um, I was mourning my brother also throughout that whole time. And I wasn't the fighter that I should have been in 2016, you know, trying to qualify for the Olympics. Um, But it was all a process. I got through it and, um, well, now I'm I'm here, and um, this is the pros. It's a different ball game, and after Marlene's loss to Sunisa, well, I'm expecting the best Marlene possible because um, I'm mm-hmm. believing that she's made the adjustments, she's yeah. uh, made the changes, and um, I'm expecting for her to come at her best. Yeah, me too. You know, there are a lot of little girls coming out of Hermosilio, and, you know, we, we're seeing it on social media. A lot of the girls, their parents contact me and want to put them out there. And I always think of you, and I think you're a big part of that. 
Do you have a following from your hometown? Or are you noticing little girls following you from Hermosillo? Uh, yes, I do, actually. I mean, I, I go often to Hermosillo. My brothers, um, they're both in Sonora. They've both uh, they've been deported, so I go visit them quite often. And um, mm-hmm. I grew up in um, fighting for representing Sonora uh, with Codeson, which is uh, the... I guess uh, the little, it's like a miniature uh, Olympic training center in Hermosillo. So um, I have my little fan base there, and, you know, Sonora just supports me very much. I'm always on the newspaper on um, Azteca America, things like that, Azteca Mexico, and things like that, and it helps me out a lot. And I also, you know, every time I get uh, messages on social media, uh, little girls with, you know, stickers on their on their folders with you know my pictures and and whatnot. It it feels really nice, and the fact that you know they're not giving up. They're you no, know, they're keeping on going, and they're gonna be better than I ever was. You know, they're yeah. women are yeah. just getting better. Yeah, I knew you had something to do with it because all of a sudden in the last few months, I've had this like in my inbox. Just I mean, a lot of little girls, and I knew you had a big part of that. You know, going think, back to your brother. I think it's like an, yeah, an accumulation. I think it's an accumulation of, yeah. you know, everybody. Everybody, you know, yeah. you're seeing more women on, on TV here on the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mexico's well ahead supporting women in yeah. sports. And USA yeah. is finally playing catch-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right about that. You know, uh, going back, as you mentioned, your brother, and um, – I have one last question. You know, I'll forever give you my condolences for the loss of your brother. I lost my sister, and it's, there's nothing worse than losing a sibling. Um, but my question is, what is your your pre-fight ritual, and how do you include Alexis in that? Well, um, I'm not a person that has um, many rituals or certain little things that they do before a fight. But the mm-hmm. one thing that I do do when I step into the ring you know, the first corner that's available to me, I just get down on my knee. I ask God to allow me to return home safe to my family. And, um, you know, I always say, uh, let's get it, baby bro. Um, and it's go time. And um, I always remember him when I'm in there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. You put something out on him today, and I it was a picture with a song. And I, like, I just stared at his picture, and I'm like, Oh, is this a video? No, it's just a picture with a song. It was that was beautiful. That was very touching. Thank you, thank you. Um, he's he's my motivation, and um, every time I win, I, you know, I I point to the sky because I dedicate it to him. Yeah, well, go get it, Sulem. You know, it's hard when you <laughs> have you. Uh, fighters that you really love, like you love both, and you're like, it's going to be a great fight. This is <laughs> it, it is great. It definitely is. Yeah, it is, this is really great for women's boxing. I mean, 2020 has been one hell of a year, and this makes it it makes it a lot better for a lot of us. You know, you keep us Definitely. going. We all keep each other going. So I'm happy you guys are excited you. about it. I know. Okay, it was so great talking to you. I'm going to pass you to Felipe. Thank you, Hi, Lupe. Felipe. Hello. Hi, Sam. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and you? Good, good. Thank you. Um. You know, obviously, I follow you on all the on all the platforms, and you know, you train with Andrew, your husband. But have you 
change something in the training for this fight? I mean, it's, we're, we're all on the same page as this to this point of your pro career. It's the most important fight up to now. You're getting the biggest purse of your career, the biggest name, the biggest platform is going to be on the zone. You found the zone before, but you guys are one of the big fights that night. So have you guys changed a little bit something that you guys are doing out there in Phoenix for this fight, or are you just going with the, the same program and just working harder than, than usual? Well, um, we haven't added anybody to the team or anything like that. Um, I think if a team works well together, uh, there's no reason to change it. Um, he He's the best coach out there for me. Uh, nobody knows me better than him. Um, I've been training uh, with him now since 2016, since I returned from Mexico City. And um, it's been great, you know, being at home with the coach that actually made me who I am. Um, we've obviously, uh, increased the intensity of training. It's a, a different fight, it, the meaning of it. Uh, the winner goes for, for a world championship. So, uh, you have to train harder and, and work different things and, you know, uh, make the very best of it. Um, as far as, uh, training, I mean, like I said, we're training extremely hard, uh, more training sessions, uh, a little bit more of everything, but uh, changes, adding people to the team or anything like that, we haven't. Uh, I think we work uh, very well together, and um, it's and and I think um, come the 30th, it'll show. Now, one thing that I admire uh, from you is that there are a lot of women out there that, you know, they struggle to get a promoter. Um, if they end up, you know, ending their contract with their promoter, they struggle to to find fights and get another one. But you have had two, and two of the biggest promoters in female boxing, if not boxing in general. You had Samford, who is considered the biggest promoter in Latin America. And uh, I'm not going to say it's the biggest supporter of female boxing in Mexico, because you and I know that they're not. Um, and, <laughs> and, um, and you have Golden Boy, who is um, one of the biggest promoters in the United States, if not the world, and they are supporting female boxing. So what do you attribute the fact that you are able to gain the interest of these two type of promoters that they're interested in Sulem Urbina and they want to have her under their banner? Well, um, first of all, you know, I'm a very disciplined athlete, um, very respectful. I work very hard. Um, but I, I also believe um, it has a lot to do with, you know, um, how I was brought up in, in Mexico, you know, um, at the end of the day, everybody wants to be Mexican when it comes to boxing. I am Mexican. I started, um, like I said, in Sonora, uh, competing for Sonora, and then I, I was on the Mexican national team, and, and that's huge because um, the whole country supports you and believes in you and, and backs you. So that helped me tremendously, you know, get my foot in the door uh, with Sanfer, with who I'm, I'm very thankful for starting me off in, in the pros. Um, I think that it has a lot to do with my personality. You know, it's not only about what you do in the ring, but what you do outside of it, the way you handle and maneuver yourself outside the ring. Um, I know that I'm I'm a person that knows how to speak well, knows how to sell herself. And um, I, I just, I love what I do. I enjoy what I do. And, you know, this is what I live. And I think that people see that passion that I have for this sport. Um, I'm, I'm very dedicated and, 
you know, once my contract with, with Sanford ended, I knew that it was time to move up. Um, I have a, a great team. Uh, my, my coach, Andrew Soto, um, Joel Diaz, who's also a huge part of, in, in our team and has been since I, I made the move here to the United States. And um, it's just a hard work. You know, it's not only the stuff that you do uh, in the ring, but the stuff outside of it to, you know, get out there. And uh, like you guys, I appreciate you guys taking the time to do an interview with me because all this helps out a lot. Now, I like that answer because you you hit it on the nail on the head that you know how to handle yourself outside the ring as well and not say two controversial things like other female fighters out there. Um, but also, I have also seen that you're not afraid to speak your mind when you need to do that. And you did that when you left the, uh, the amateur team, the Mexican amateur team, and you actually put it out there. You actually made a video explaining the reasons why you left and you weren't satisfied with certain politics that were happening mm-hmm. in the amateur program in Mexico. So with that said, the fact that you know how to handle yourself and the fact that you're willing to stand up for what you think is right and the three-minute round and the fact that the WBC, which it's, I think, the, the belt that you really want being Mexican, um, mm-hmm. and I asked this to Marlene uh, some minutes ago, is that if it gets to the point where the WBC continues to go against the, the three-minute round, and it gets to the point where female fighters say, um, if you don't let us fight for the three-minute round, we're not going to fight for your title, and we're not going to pay the sanctioning fees. Are you, are you willing to support that, or, or, or is that green belt much more important? Oh, here's something that um, a lot of people don't know and don't understand. The WBC is such a huge advocate for women in, in boxing that they don't even charge a, a sanctioning fee. I don't know if, if you guys knew that. Um, they don't charge sanctioning fees for women in the sport because they know, they understand that um, the purses are not the same, um, that we do not make nearly half as much as, as the men do. Um, so it's, it's something that I really want to put out there. Um, as far as the three minutes, obviously um, – like I said, as a fighter, we always want to fight more. And I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, fighters um, have to uh, stick together and, 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 and talk to things through. I, um, I think that, you know, if, if worse comes to worst, um, we can all get together and um, speak with the WBC and, and go from there. Like I said, there's way of, of, of ways of handling things. And um, as a fighter, like I said, we always want to fight more, and uh, we just got to be, be smart about it and, uh, you know, move forward. Well, I wasn't aware of the non-sanctioning fee because I've been involved with fights for the WBC for world titles, female fights, and there was a sanctioning fee, not only for the WBC, for the NABF as well, which is their, like, a sub-league. So I don't know if it started since those fights that I was involved with, but... Uh, but, I, I mean, that's something that I need to uh, check into. Now, speaking of, of Marlene, you know, mm-hmm. one thing, the another thing that I like about you is that you're very honest, you're very frank, not only with what you say, but with yourself. And you and I have spoken publicly and privately um, mm-hmm. about a lot of subjects, one of them being your fights against Marlene Esparza. You have never publicly or privately have given an excuse of, 
of, of why you lost. You never said, you know, I lost because of this. I was hurt. I was this. I was that. You never said, you say, hey, you know what? She was better than me. She beat me. That's it. So mentally, how do you, how do you get that out of your head that you faced her before inside the ring numerous times and every time she had her hand raised? How do you get that out of your head for this Friday? Well, honestly, um, like I said, I'm a boxing junkie, so I don't really get it out of my head. Um, it's some, I remember everything. I mean, if you ask me when I fought uh, somebody, what year and where, and I can tell you because I'm, I'm that obsessed with my career. I remember everything. Um, so I remember how the fights went. I remember, uh, you know, Marlene, that was the first time we fought was in 08, and we fought again in in 2014 and 2015, you know, um, it's, I remember every fight, but it's, it's something, it's a part of the process for me. I think, um, that's where experience comes in. You know, um, like I said, I've grown in the pros and in the pros, it's a different ball game. It's completely different. Um, I think that I am a better fighter now than I was then. And I remember all that. And it's good to remember all that for me because it, it helps me because, um, you know, I was fighting Marlene at the time who was one of the best in, in, in America and, you know, who had everybody behind her. You said it, CoverGirl, Nike. She had all the sponsorships. She had everything. And anybody that fought her was always an underdog. Um, so I don't forget any of that. But, you know, this is the pros. This is a different story. Um, she hasn't done more than I have in the pros. Um I'm the one that's ranked number four in the WBC. Um, this was my shot. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm focused. I'm hungry. That's the most important part. I'm very, very hungry. And I think it's a great fight to, to step into, you know. Um, it's a fight that everybody wants to see. It's a fight that I want to be in there for. And um, it's a fight that I'm hungry to win. Now, the winner of this fight obviously gets a chance to for the WBC flyweight title against Ibella Roca Zamora. You're Mexican. She's Mexican. You know, but you live in Phoenix, and, and, and you speak English very well, and you speak Spanish very well. But, she, but you know, I know we're, we're practically, I mean, I, I'm older than you, but we're practically the same person. You know, I grew up, I, I grew mm-hmm. up in the United States in both sides and everything. So they're going to see her as the Mexican, you know, more so than you. Because of that, would you rather that fight happen in the United States or would you be willing to go to Mexico and, and try your luck there? Well, they're going to say she's more Mexican. I'm going to say I'm more Mexican because, you know what, when you're in Mexico and when you're living in Mexico, you're not afraid of, you know, getting pulled over by immigration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I grew up here. Um, I was racially profiled, so tell me I'm not Mexican enough, you know? Um, my family's been deported. My father was deported. My brothers have been deported. So, I mean, I grew up here, you know, scared to death to even drive, you know? So I am Mexican. I know who I am. I've never forgotten my roots. I speak Spanish very well. You know, I have my, my boots and I dance my cumbias. So I'm very Mexican. And, you know, like I said, I do have a huge fan base in Mexico. Um, because of the amateurs, I, I built a, a huge profile out there. Um, and we, Ibez Amora and I actually know each other because we used to spar. She used to help me get ready uh, for tournaments in the amateurs, and I used to help her in the pros. So it's going to be a great fight. Um, 
And I kind of forgot what the actual question was. Where, where, where you rather have the fight in the United States in, in Mex- as, instead of Mexico. As for that, I think that everybody wants to come to fight to the United States, you know. Women are finally starting to break ground here in the United States after that, you know, time where uh, Christy Martin and Layla Ali stopped fighting on on uh, national TV and and Showtime and whatnot. You know, I was little. I used to watch those fights. And since then, there hadn't really been any big events for women boxing in the United States. So I think that she wants to come over here. However, she's a champion, and if things are you know, decided otherwise, then, um, I mean, I'm the, I have to step up. So I just have to be ready. You know, I have to go do camp in Mexico city because I'm not, they're not going to use me for, you know, like they do with other fighters where they get them two weeks before, you know, at sea level and then they fly them out and then they die out there in the third round. Yeah. Well, Salem, thank you very much for your time. We wish you all the luck in the world next Friday. And, um, We'll have you soon after and, and talk about what actually happened inside the ring next Friday night. Thank you very much. No, thank you guys for having me, and I appreciate you guys. I see everything you guys uh, put out all the time, and it's great that you guys are one of the far few in between that actually are knowledgeable with us women in this sport. So thank you all so very much. Love you, Thank Selena. you, Selena. Thank you for the words. Have a good night. Get some rest. Have a good night. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And there you have it, folks. We have both Marlene Esparza and Sulem Urbina who are going to be fighting next Friday night in a WBC eliminator um, on the zone. And one thing that I want to say uh, before I pass the baton to David and get your thoughts is that if there's any young women out there that are listening to these uh, interviews, this is the way that you speak about your fight, your opponent, your past. This is how eloquent you need to be to get somewhere in this sport. Um, you know, they, they're very eloquent. They know what they're talking about. They know how to express their feelings. And they're very respectful, not only of each other, but of, uh, of us as, 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 as the media and, and answering the question that we ask the right way. So that is something that people can study from, this, from, this in, from these two interviews and learn how to do, David. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what I've always discovered is, that uh, female fighters have always been a lot more eloquent than the, than the men fighters. Uh, I've been doing this for 35 years, and I'm, uh, women are just more eloquent. I don't know why. I don't know how they came to be, but that's just the way they are. Maybe because they're more in touch with their feelings, David, and, and men aren't. <laughs> or be. maybe, or maybe because they're maybe because, or maybe I mean. Or maybe it's because women, and and this is, some people are going to take it as sexist, but they're they're taught to be more expressive of their feelings, whereas the man has to be macho and not really say what he really feels because then he's going to look like less than than macho. No, so maybe that's one one of the reasons. Lupe, what what were your thoughts of the two interviews? You know, it's exactly what you were saying. I mean, you said, you know, people can learn from this. Well, we see where Marlene, and I ask sponsorships because, I mean, we see where Marlene has, because she's got the best of the best because she knows how to speak. She knows how to conduct herself. So she had CoverGirl, McDonald's, and Coke. And I asked Sulem because Sulem's the same way. 
not only looks wise, I mean, she knows how to speak. She knows how to speak her mind without trash talking. I mean, I think Sulem has not only just a great boxing career ahead of her, but some great sponsorships ahead of her. I mean, women would, people like Revlon and CoverGirl, they would be, they would love to get somebody like her. We all follow her on social media. She's beautiful. Yeah. But also, Sulem, you know, like I mentioned in the interview, like, there's a lot of women out there that even having promoters struggle to get fights. And she not only was able to go from one promoter, which was a good promoter, it wasn't the best promoter. I think they, they kind of stalled her career because they didn't give her the fights that she needed. But she, she got her contract done or whatever. And then she went to another big promoter and now she's getting these big opportunities so she was able to maneuver that without a manager i mean it's just her and her and her husband you know she doesn't have a, like a a, ma- a professional manager i mean i i would assume that joel diaz has given her advice as far as the business because he's been in boxing for so long but she basically did it herself with her husband so that's very in the side of the business side of it is very very admirable so so i, I can't wait for uh the, the next 30th in fact um, somebody invited me somewhere and they told me it's next Friday. I'm like, on Friday, I'm off the books. I can't go anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying home. I'm watching this fight. There's no, I'm not going to miss it. So we only got a little bit of time before we move on, before we end the show in five minutes. Um, real quick on the fight chatter, MMA fighter Chris Cyborg has revealed she is still very interested in trying her luck inside a boxing ring, but now she has her sights on the lightweight undisputed queen, Katie Taylor. For years, a fight between uh, Cecilia Breakhouse had been spoken about, but now Cyber has changed course towards Taylor. Surprisingly, Taylor has also mentioned Cyber as a potential opponent in the future. David, I think we spoke about it last time. You see the point of it because Cyber has come up dirty, not once, twice, but three times. Um, what do you? What are your, What other thoughts do you have regarding uh, Cyber going after Kelly Taylor? What are they going to fight at one thirty-five? I don't think she can make it. I mean, it. I, I will want – what weight is – I don't know what weight is uh, Chris Cyborg. Cyborg like, was like 147. Like <laughs> yeah, so, I mean – and if he expects that Katie Taylor is going to go up to 147 to fight her, um, I think she has another thing coming, although Katie Taylor has mentioned her. and But I think there's a lot of bigger, better fights for Katie Taylor inside a boxing ring, including yeah, Amanda Serrano. Katie Taylor – you're right, Felipe. Katie has more um, she has more stuff going on in the boxing ring. I mean, yeah, Amanda Serrano, I mean, maybe that's a better fit, although, I don't know. I mean, Chris Cyborg is a freaking beast. I mean, huh. yeah, David, she's been busted cheating, and maybe that adds to it, but she's a beast. And then there's that viral there's that viral video where she was killing herself to make weight, and that must have been like 147 or something, though, so she's not going to make 135. Now, moving on, there was a fight scheduled for this upcoming Saturday night in the city of Chihuahua, Chihuahua, in Mexico, between the two-time world title challenger Diana La Bonita Fernandez and Elizabeth Chavez, but it has been canceled. According to a press release earlier today, the whole event has been scratched because of the spiking numbers of COVID-19 in the region. No word if it will be rescheduled sometime in the future. So we got about three minutes. Let me go uh, through the upcoming calendar real quick. It's going to be a... This, this next weekend, Saturday, Friday and Saturday, is going to be the female boxing palooza of the year. We've got a ton of fights happening in those two days. On Friday, October 30th in Mexico, I don't think it's going to be televised, but you might find it on a Facebook stream. 
the WBC flyweight champion, Ibella Roca Zamora, will be in an eight-rounder non-title fight against Eddie Flores. And Vian's going to box wreck and look Eddie Flores' record. I mean, it's just a keep-busy fight for Ibella Roca Zamora. There should be no problem here. But she's staying busy, possibly looking forward to whoever wins on the same night from the Fantasy Spring Casino in Indio, California. Golden Boy Promotions gives us on the zone. Marlene Esparza, who was our whole, uh, guest earlier today, and our earlier guest today as well, Sulem Urbina, in an eight-rounder in a WBC eliminator at 112 pounds. The winner there gets to face Yvette La Roca Zamora, hopefully sooner than later, because we all know how the WC does with their mandatory challengers. We don't have to name any names. Now, on Saturday, October 31st, Halloween in Bayern, Germany, the former WBC 160-pound champion, Christina Hammer, takes on Sana Turunen in a 10-rounder at 160 pounds. So she is coming back, and it looks like she'll be coming back at 160 pounds. Uh, maybe we could find the stream somewhere to see how Christina Hammer returns. And it, also in Russia, Tatania Sarachevskaya, or something like that, takes on Daniela Bermudez, the Argentinian, and a 10-rounder for the vacant IBF title at 122 pounds. Marcela La Tigresa Cunha was stripped of the title. From Wembley Arena, Matchroom Boxing on the Zone gives us the, the, the rescheduling of Savannah Marshall against Hannah Ranking for the vacant WBO title at 160 pounds. From the Grand Oasis Arena in Cancun, Mexico, on Televisa, Mariana Juarez takes on Yulihan Cunha for the WBC Bantamweight title where Yesenia Gomez defends her 108-pound WBC title against Mirna Sanchez. And finally, from Las Vegas, top-ranked ESPN, Eva Branica defends her WBO title against Michaela Mayer in a 10-rounder on 130 pounds, folks. So there you have it. The box, female boxing palooza next weekend. Don't miss it. From Mr. David Avila and from Ms. Lupe Gutierrez, we bid you good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody.